Welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 113, The Battle of Contentment, The Secret. Now, before we start, I wanted to share something with you. There's a lot of things that are going on right now in the country of the United States and around the globe regarding the pandemic. And of late, we've been in talks about uh, our president having the virus and many others. But I wanted to share with you that all of us, to include the highest official in the land and everyone in this country and around the globe, we are all in the hand of God. And whatever the Lord allows to happen in our lives, there is a reason and a purpose for his plan. And we don't know whether the Lord will allow each and every one of us to see the end of COVID-19 and what will befall any of us, to include the President of the United States. But whatever happens in our lives, we have to be prepared to understand that it's God's will and that we have to come through the storms of our life with even the element of thanksgiving to say, thank you, God, for the time that we've had on this earth. So tonight is we're going to talk about contentment. A lot of people, it's a churchy word, contentment. A lot of times we don't talk about contentment. Maybe if you're in a relationship or a marriage, you may say, I'm not content. I'm not happy. All those kind of things. But what is contentment? And what, do, what am I talking about when it comes to the battle? And what, what's going on with this secret? Glad you asked. We're going to talk about three people tonight. And the reason why is because each part of what these people are going to show us is going to explain something about what it is to be content, what it is to be discontent, and what's going on regarding this battle. Now, let me show you something from the very beginning of the scripture. We all have heard about the devil, Satan, but Satan is the greatest example of discontentment. He was called Lucifer. He was an archangel and he was bringing the worship and praise to God, but he got discontented and he wanted to have the praise to himself. And he shows us the greatest example of what it means to be discontent. You are not satisfied in the position that you have with God and what he's got you doing and how he has you. And you are wanting to make a change because you are discontented. Well, you say, oh, that's just Lucifer. That's not me. But think about our mother Eve in Genesis. God had prepared the Garden of Eden, all that she could imagine, because she was just formed from the dust of the, of, the, of the earth. She was made out of Adam's rib, and everything she had was there and ready and available to her. And Satan, who had just been discontent himself, went into the very garden and enticed her. And then she enticed her husband, and they did eat. They were not content with what the Lord had provided. And some of the things that you're going to see in these examples of contentment versus discontentment, you're going to see this is us. And what you're going to understand in a very few moments is about what's going on with the battle in our lives. This is real. And it doesn't matter if you're sick, if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're one color and one culture, it doesn't matter if you live in the United States, you live in Indian, Pakistan, or wherever, all of these things are facing us because it is a battle. And at first I had the plural battles, but the reality is it's one big battle. And guess what? The outcome is for us to take our eye off of God and spend eternity in hell with the devil, who was the greatest discontent. But let's go to Philippians chapter four. We're going to start in verse eight. 
There's a lot in Philippians chapter four. I, I encourage you to read it because it's very encouraging. But let's start with verse eight of chapter four in Philippians. And now brothers, as I close this letter, let me say this one more thing. Fix your thoughts. Here's the battleground, your thoughts. Why are you, we're gonna find out what does contentment mean? You heard discontentment. Discontentment is you're not satisfied. So guess what? The opposite of not being satisfied is being whole, being at peace, being satisfied. Understanding that you are grateful and thankful. But here Paul says, fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. When you find yourself in a battle and you're discontent and you don't have contentment, it's because you allowed your thoughts to be all over the place. And guess what? The thoughts are not good. The thoughts are all of the problems, all the pity, all the things that are going on in your, heart, in your mind. And it says they're not true and they're not good. Guess what? Because anything that the Lord has got you going through is for your benefit. You may not understand why you're sick. How could he want that for you? You got to understand that some things that you find out in James 1, trials worketh patient. Let patience have its perfect work so you will be complete, lacking nothing. But you don't like it. But he says, fix your mind, fix your thoughts. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine, good things in others. You even have problems with other people. You're picking them apart. I, I'm a picker. I'm a nitpicker. I will watch a TV show. I will watch something and I'll pick apart the person's outfit. I'll pick apart the person's acting. I'll pick apart the person's writing. All kinds of, I'm just nitpicky. And I have to watch that because that's being critical. And God is saying I'm supposed to have thoughts that are good and pure and lovely when it comes to others. Don't just think Anita's all got it uh, all together, but then you're going to pick apart other people. You will say that you are fine yourself, but you're discontent about other people in your life and recognizing that's not what God wants us to be. Here it says, think about all you can praise God for. Okay, here we go. When you find yourself in the battle, you are not thanking God for all the things he's, he, he should be praised for. You're looking at the lack. You're looking at the inabilities, the disabilities, and all the things that you don't have. Even the people that are rich, oh, I need another house. There's not enough. You want more, more, more. And the things that you want more, more, more are not of God. And you're not thankful. And you're not being, uh, uh, having that mind stayed on God, stayed on Christ. It says, so you can praise God for and be glad about. Keep putting into practice all you've learned from me, talking from Paul, and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. Here's a part of the secret. When you have God, I mean, I, I'm not playing, playing games, God. I'm not saying, oh, the God, the man upstairs. I'm talking about you have a relationship with the almighty God. His son says, I have risen with all power and authority on heaven and on earth. But when you have God, you will have his peace. And guess what? When you are discontent, you have no peace. Your mind is not stayed on God, the God of peace. Your mind is stayed on all that you lack. Your mind is stayed on everything but God. Everything that's not good, everything that's not pure, everything that's not lovely. You're picking apart everybody else in your life. You're not being thankful. 
That battlefield of your mind and your thoughts is eating at you. And the more it eats at you, this festers. But let's hear what he has to say, because we're going to see some examples of here. How grateful I am and how I praise the Lord that you are helping me again. I know you've always been anxious to send what you could, but for a while you didn't have that chance. Not that I was ever in need. Now, you're going to see some times where you're going to say, not that I was ever in need. Some of y'all in the pandemic are in great need. Your finances, your emotions, your, your physical abilities and disabilities, all the things going in your mind about being lonely and having situations where you're in marital dispute, all kinds of stuff. So Paul is saying, I was not in need. But you're going to see in a, in a second, how can you say this, Paul? How can you say you were in a need when I'm getting ready to show you all a list? How can he say one thing in Philippians, but then come back and say all the stuff that happened to him? That's what you got to pay attention to. A lot of stuff is happening to each and every one of us differently. But how can he have God's peace in the midst of the storms of his life? I'm not playing games to say that everything's going to be perfect in your life, but you got to know how to handle them. It says here, it says here again, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to get along happily, whether I have much or little. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. So he's had a lot. Paul, before he fell off of that, that horse when Christ met him, he was a Pharisee getting letters from the chief priests. He was in the inner circle. They were doing some demonic activities against Christ, but he is now a servant of the living God. And he's had opportunities where he's had much and he's had little. But he just said, not that I was having a need, but listen, stay with me, stay with me. It says, I have learned the secret. This is the secret part because some of us don't understand the secret. And I can tell you, as I've been going through some drama with the health situations with Reverend, the Lord has been teaching me about the secret. And the secret is leaning and understanding that, Anita, this is not about you. It's not about life and death with Reverend. You, you, you got your eyes fixed on right now in this temporary time and space of the now and not understanding the big picture. You have to focus on the secret of knowing the God of the universe, the God that has peace that surpasses all of the understanding, the God that rose from the dead and rose with all authority and power from heaven and earth. You're focused on the wrong thing. You're focused on the temporary shell. And he brought me this word about shell. I said, okay, Lord, and he started to work on me by letting me hear and listen to the Spirit of God explain his word. So where I was being discontent and that battle was in my mind. I'm telling y'all the truth. The battle was in my mind. And we're going to talk about fear and being overwhelmed and overcome. And I said, but you got to remember, Christ says we are more than overcomers, but because of him, not because of us. It says here, I have learned the secret of contentment in every situation. Now, we all got different situations, but we got plenty of situations. My situation is not like your situation. But the reality is, he said, I've learned the secret. And that word secret just hit me. And if you read the King James, it says, I've learned the secret of facing. And that's what some, some stuff is stuck, thrown in your face. And you just don't want to look at it. He said, oh, Lord, don't let another thing happen. But he says, I've learned the secret of contentment in every situation. And here we go. Let's keep on reading. 
He says in every situation, whether it be a full stomach or hunger, hunger, plenty or want, for I can do everything God asked me to do with the help of Christ. There you go. There's going to be some things that God's going to ask you to do, going to put you in some situations where he says he's hungry. He says sometimes he's in want. And guess what? There's people in the pandemic. It's not just food banks. It's not that you're in want only of food. It could be shelter. It could be peace of mind. And you have to go to Christ to get those things. But you're saying, oh, that's so churchy. We can't talk about churchy stuff. Well, I'm going to break it down. I, I want y'all to see here. I'm going to read it without explaining. And then I'm going to go to some examples of what he went through. Because y'all going to think, oh, he didn't go through nothing. He was just, he's Paul. He's Apostle Paul. He had a good old day. He wrote a lot of scripture, but he didn't go through nothing like we went through. Right. That's what you're going to think. Here we're going to go here. Verse 14. But even so, you have done right in helping me in my present difficulty. Now, I want you all to jump over to verse 19 because a lot of us in church read this all the time. And it is he who will supply all your needs from his riches and glory because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. So that tells you that Christ has got everything you need. But okay, that sounds really churchy. I want y'all to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 because a lot of times we hear about these people and we think they had it all together. Paul struggled. Y'all know he was on the wrong side before Christ met him in Acts. And so he, he fell off of that horse, but that wasn't the first and only fall he's going to have in his life. He had a lot of struggles but he was willing to go through those struggles because Christ asked him. Y'all remember what he said? Who are you, Lord? Back, back in Acts. And he said, what would you have me to do? And God is asking all of us, what do we have to do? We have to walk and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though there'll be times that we're going to have some, some times of hunger, some times of lack, some times of what we think we, we don't have what we need. But like Paul just said, when was he ever in a time we didn't have what he needed? But look what happens to him. You're like, how could he say that? We're going to go and start in verse 23 of 2 Corinthians 11. They say they serve Christ, but I have served him far more. Have I gone mad to boast like this? I have worked harder, been put in jail more often. He's been jailed. Been whipped times without number. You know the Jewish law. There's numbers that are supposed to be associated it's supposed to be 39 lashes or whatever the penalty is supposed to, but they just kept on hitting him, kept on whipping him how many of us have been whipped for the things of god we may have had somebody wag their tongues write something nasty about us say something nasty, but this man was whipped he's been jailed and they said whipped times without number and faced death again and again and again this i didn't make this up again and again and again Five different times the Jews gave me their terrible 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I was in the open sea. Now, if you know anything, my husband's in the Navy. How many of y'all, y'all see these movies and stuff, and they have the people, and they on a little raft for a little while. Y'all remember uh, the castaway and all this stuff? I said, that's, that's acting. But he was in the open sea. For a whole night and a day. That's that's not an easy thing to go through. But he says, once I was in the open sea all night and the whole next day, I've traveled many weary miles and have been often in great danger from flooded rivers and from robbers and from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the hands of the Gentiles. 
I have faced grave dangers from mobs in the cities and from death in the deserts and in the stormy seas and from men who claim to be the brothers in Christ but are not. I've lived with weariness and pain and sleepless nights. Often I've been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. Often I have shivered with cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have constant worry of how the churches are getting along. What he's trying to tell you, he's been through. He's been through. But I want you to see, he says some things about this secret, but I'm going to show you some examples. Now, that was Paul. Paul had a witness to tell you at first that you have to recognize that you have to have the God of peace and know who's with you. But he let you know, I've had some experience. Well, we're going to also see another witness and we're going to show his experiences. So I want us now to jump over to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 13. That's in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 13. Elijah is a priest. And I'm going to show his witness. And then I'm going to show you some experiences that he went through. He's, I could go all day on Elijah, but we only got a few minutes. So let's see. In verse 13, let's start at 12. And one of his servants said to the king, because king was getting mad because every time he had a plan to go against the king of Israel, it kept getting messed up because Elijah was getting word from the Lord about the plan and he would tell the king of Israel. So this king is getting upset. So in verse 12 of 2 Kings 6, and one of his servants said, none, my Lord, none are traitors. O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Here's, here's us. We are the servant. Elijah's going to have a witness, but we find ourselves being the servant. That when the circumstances of our life, the situations come, we freak out, we go in fear, and we want, what we do, what are we going to do, what are we going to do, all these people to come to get us. We don't stand and fix our mind and trust God, what he's already done for us and what he's going to do. We get emotionally upset and discontent and we are not settled instead of remembering the secret of who God is. And having his peace and assurance. And the, the servant is freaking out like many of us do. We are discontent because everything around us is closing in. The walls are closing in. The depression. All this stuff is coming in. Because we don't fix our mind and our thoughts on what God has taught us. What he's already done for us in those, those battles in the past. That he's come through. At maybe the 11th hour but he came. So here we have Elisha. He's going to show us a witness, just like Paul gave a witness, but he gave a witness because he'd gone through some things with the Lord. So here we go. Verse 16. So he answered, meaning Elijah. First thing he tells us is what God tells us all the time. Do not fear. Saints of God listening, do not fear. Do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now here's the problem. Many of us, even as saints of God, children of the living God, 
think that everything is against us and those in power, natural power, evil power, have more authority and power than the God of heaven, who says, I rose with all power. But because we can't see it, because we can't understand what's going around, those fiery darts are coming in. That's why I said to have the shield of faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, faith in the Father, faith in the Holy Spirit, faith in the things of God coming and manifesting themselves just in the truth of what's in his word. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. But guess what? The first thing we do is I'm afraid the house is going to be taken. The car is going to be taken. I'm going to lose my health. I, I can't I can't go through this going on. I'm going to lose my job. Everything is going wrong. I've lost people in my life. I'm suffering. I can't take it. I can't take it. I can't take it. I can't take it. And your minds are just going. Your, your, your thoughts aren't fixed. And it says here, who is with you is always going to be more. Christ is always going to be more, more, more than the problems and the situations you're facing. If you lose the car, God got another car. I've lost, we lost houses and God gave us better houses. We've lost things, but God said, I didn't want you to have that. I want something better for you. But all we can think is holding on, holding on, holding on, holding on. It's going to be bad, God. Well, I'm sure when Paul was in the open sea a night and a whole day, that wasn't no fun in the sun, but he had to trust God. When he was hungry and his stomach was, was belly was aching, he had to trust God and God would settle his stomach. But it didn't mean he wasn't hungry, but he knew God would eventually provide for him. But here it says here, verse 17, Elijah prayed, and that's what we have to do. Some of us who have more witness and understanding and experience of who God is, when we see the young Christians in the Lord or even the people older who have no confidence in God, who are falling apart, who are discontent, we have to say the battle for contentment is the secret is trusting God, knowing God is with you. He says here, and Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountains was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. So Elijah saw it. Elijah recognized it. The Lord had transcended him to stop seeing just the natural. And a lot of us have to stop seeing the natural. We're focused so much on the natural plane. And God is wanting us to take us to the spiritual plane to understand that this stuff is temporary. He's got a home prepared in heaven for us. So if you lose your life, you're not losing the life. Your body is your shell is going back to the dirt. You're going up to heaven with your glorified body. And you're going to be doing and seeing the work and praise of God as he's got a plan. The house that you're crying about, God's got another house. It ain't no problem God giving you a house. Ain't no problem God healing you. Ain't no problem God giving you a car. Ain't no problem God giving you another job. And God, even if you lose your husband, your family, your God can make a way to bring somebody else in your house, in your life. You're not going to be by yourself, baby. You're not. God has got you. He can, if you trust and think on what he's done for you in the past, you'll know he's going to make a way. Out of nowhere, we sing these songs, but here it says, he opened his eyes and he saw. And then verse 18, so when the Syrian came down to him, Elijah prayed to the Lord. He's not fighting the battle on his own. He's praying. He's praying. How many times have y'all seen the word prayer? He's praying to the father who will fight the battle. 
You don't have to be afraid of what all you don't have, what strength you don't have, what power you don't have, what authority. He's praying to the Father for the Father to take care of the enemies, for the Father to, to go before him, to be the hedge of protection. And it says here, Elijah prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elijah. So there's a witness, but I want you to see that there's experience. That's why he has the witness, because God has fed him, as y'all know, told him where to go, and he fed him with ravens, with water and with meat, day and night. So I'm saying you guys feel, but I want y'all to see something because here's something I want to show y'all. The last thing, you cannot have contentment without God. You cannot have contentment without a relationship with God. The people are killing themselves, drinking themselves, sexing, all this stuff, playing games, video games all the time, thinking they can go and shoot people up like it's nothing. The, the reprobate mind thinks that they could have this life without God and all will be well and content. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. You cannot have contentment without God. It doesn't matter how rich you think you are, how many possessions you think you are. It says you cannot serve God and mammon. You will love the one and hate the other. And those who have gravitated to loving mammon and think that they can be content with mammon, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Let's go to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 17. I'm not going to read all the specifics of what happened, but the first part of 1 Kings 17 talks about Elijah being told to go to meet the widow and how the Lord has told her and the whole thing about using her last cake and God allows their food to be plentiful. But this woman does not know God. She has been widowed and she's without a husband. She has a son and her and her son are together and they're about to die when Elisha meets her to ask her for that bread. But the thing about us who don't know Christ, those of us, I, I know, we know Christ who are listening possibly, but there are people who don't know Christ. They can be around the word of God. They can be around the preachers. They can around all this stuff. And it seems like, hey, if they got that opportunity, they're taking advantage of it. But no, God is a jealous God. He won't let you put other things, other people, other circumstances ahead of him. And here we have this woman who has lost her husband who has her son and she thinks she's going to die because she doesn't have her needs met. So let's go to 17. And 17. I'm not sure why I didn't have my page mark. All right. So we're in 7, 1 Kings 17. And we're going to start at verse 17. Now it happened. Now they've had their needs met as far as they've got plenty of flour and the it says the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. It's not good enough to be content with just having your physical needs met with your flour and your bread and your refrigerator food. That's not what God's ultimate purpose is. And you're going to see, why does it transition from her and him doing well? Elijah's living with her and she's having her needs met, but she doesn't have Christ. She doesn't have the Lord in her life. She has her son, she has plenty of food, households taken care of, but she's missing God. And all of a sudden this tragedy happens where the very thing that she's holding on to, that she loves, like some of us love our kids more than God, 
We don't know God, but we love our kids and our kids are elevated in the place of God and God will not have another person on his throne. It is only him. He's a jealous God. It says in verse 16, we're going to go to 17. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. He's dead. So she said to Elijah, what have I done with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? Some people think when tragedies come, God is doing that. I got to get him. He's coming and he's attacking me. God wants to get your attention. And sometimes we're so in love with everything but God, he has to get our attention. Because it's more important to know who God is before you find yourself in eternity separated from God. And in this case, she didn't know God. She had the preacher living in her very house, but she did not know God. She appreciated whatever Elijah was doing to the point that there was food on the table. Good. She didn't have to starve, didn't have to die. Her and the son got a good old person staying at the house and he's providing food. Good for them. Not good enough when it comes to God. It says here in verse 19, and he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord. Here's prayer. He cried out to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? Elisha's not sure what's going on here. He's living with the lady and it seems okay, but the lady don't know God. The lady's getting the blessings of God because of Elijah. But she don't know God for herself. She doesn't believe what Elijah is saying in the sense of in her heart. She's just hearing his words. And a lot of people have ears, but they don't have what the Lord says, ears to hear what thus saith the Lord. Understanding that truth is for you. It's not for the people that are around you coming in your house that are hearing them. It's for you in your house. You cannot have contentment without having a relationship with God. You cannot have contentment. Here it says, verse 21, and he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, my God, I pray. Here's this prayer again. So you wonder why he wasn't, he was able to pray in the future. It says, Oh Lord, my God, I pray. Let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room in the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, here's the change of heart. Here is the change of heart and how some of us have to get to. The change was recognizing the relationship change. She says, now by this, before the kid died, her son, the one that she's in love with, the one that she's in love with more than God because she loves this kid more than she loves God. So does some of us love our children, our grandchildren more than we love the relationship of having that intimate relationship with God. We love them kids and she loved her son. But it says now by this, that child being dead in my arms, I was carrying a dead child, a dead son. And you brought him back alive because you're God. But she doesn't want him to just be Elijah's God. She needs to make a relationship with her. 
Now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. She didn't realize it was truth for herself. It was for everybody else, but not for her. But this situation has caused her to turn and to change and to recognize who God is and who God was. I needed to say something to correction. The first story was Elisha, S-H-A. The second story is Elijah. So there are two different Elijahs, and I, and I just stood to clarify that. So I wanted you to understand. But Elisha was one of the people that learned from Elijah. And if you know anything that he said, if you are here when I leave, God gets called up. I will give you a double portion. So Elisha, which was in the second Kings, is the student, the mentee of Elijah. And Elijah had shown him some things. So he was at the point where he had this situation where he had one of his servants. And one of his servants had to be brought to the knowledge of who God is. And that's how all of us are. We're always learning of God. We're learning about who he is, the power that he is. But the thing about we have to learn to be content with more of God. You can keep asking for more and more and more things they will never give you contentment they will never never give you contentment and if you don't believe me you can look at all of the the tmz's and the lifestyles of the rich and famous and the entertainment tonight these people have 10 15 cars they have houses and lands and jewelry and and can go place to place and they're not content you cannot have contentment without jesus christ in your life the secret is to know him to have more of him, to have his peace, to have his love, to have his assurance that no matter what you're going through, the battle of contentment is to recognize that you have to have the mind of Christ to know that he's with you. And when Satan lies to you to say that all is bad, you need to go back to Philippians 4 and fix your mind on that which is good and lovely and pure. And all that list that you would see if you start to read all of Philippians 4. Have your mind stayed on some things that are important for you to stay on. Because I tell you, we have to embrace and keep the secret to know who God is. And I just say, I, I love that whole run that Paul has. You know, you got to fix your mind on the, what's true, what's honorable, what's just, what's pure, what's lovely, what's commendable, excellent. Worthy of praise. Think about these things. And guess who you're thinking about? You're thinking about Jesus. You're thinking about God Almighty. Because he's all of those things. My husband just had that question about the seven uh, utensils in the tabernacle. And all of them point to Christ. He is the light of the world. He is a lamp unto our feet. A light unto our path. We have to focus on him. When it comes to the times where you're having that battle in your mind. And you're feeling so discontent. Take those eyes off of your circumstances, your situation, and remember what the brother Paul and Elisha and Elijah pray and know who Christ is. Know he's there with you. He's there for you. He's, he's on your side. He's not up there just saying, oh, I don't care what happened to you. He's praying. He's praying to the Father. He's praying with groans that only could be done by him. He's allowing the Holy Spirit to be here with us. So saints of God, I thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. And I, Lord willing, I hope to see you next week. God bless you. I love you.